he would just go climb. He would just try to sleep right on top of Trent, right on top. Of you oh and, man! <laughs> and he was not—he was not one to take no for an answer. I mean, no, he would I, just push him off, yeah. and he would just slowly creep back onto you. <laughs> Hello and welcome to We Made You a Song, a podcast about a unique song-making process in unique times. I'm your host, Trent Wagler of the Steel Wheels in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Thank you to our producing partner, WMRA, as well as our presenting sponsor, Old Hill Cider. Old Hill Cider located in Timberville, Virginia. Go to showwaltersorchard.com for all the information on all their ciders, or just pay them a visit. Nothing is better than going through a full tasting of every single one of their ciders from the true-to-life apple taste of off-the-press or some of their drier ciders if you really want to get complex and really want to take it all in. So check it out, Old Hill Cider at showaltersorchard.com or go pay them a visit in Timberville, Virginia. This week, we have a song called Lifeline. The song this week is a very personal song, uh, but it's one with really universal themes at the same time. We were contacted by Rhoda Shirk, and she wanted a song all about pets. So I'm joined here right now by our friend, this is my little friend, Ella. See if Ella will say hi. Hi, Ella. Can you say hi? She might just breathe into the microphone. She's a she's a little pug Boston Terrier mix. Ella has been with us for about eight years, and like many of us who have pets, uh, she was a really great companion during these last couple years, especially. But uh, let's hear from the commissioner of this song, um, who wanted us to yeah pay tribute to all the furry friends out there, and uh, let's hear from Rhoda. So this is Rhoda Shirk. I think a big part of the catalyst was just the last year. Well, it wasn't a, this would have been in January. And so it had been months of the pandemic. Um, I started that year engaged and living with my partner and I ended it living alone and single and then the pandemic. Um, so there was a big part of my daily life involved my pets. Part of the reasoning for doing the song was just, in some ways it was self-care for myself. It was like taking a chance and doing something that at first glance might seem a little frivolous, but it was something that I hoped would be meaningful and make me happy. Animals have been a big part of my whole life. Um, my parents put up with a whole menagerie of pets when we were kids. Me and my siblings had everything. We always had cats and dogs. We would, we often had rabbits. We had guinea pigs. And then we had several different kinds of lizards. We had a gnolls, an iguana. We had a corn snake. We had a couple parakeets. We had the odd goldfish, although the goldfish didn't normally live very long. And so there were always 
there were always pets around. There were always pets to take care of and play with and listen to and all kinds of things. So my parents are just moved and we're like cleaning out our childhood home and finding all of like the old photos. And so we're finding a lot of fun photos of us with pets. And there's one of me pushing a dressed up cat in a baby stroller or the pictures of us as very little children where you're trying to hold like a large cat and not quite good at it. Um, I think part of it for me is that it's the balance of the cats and the dogs of having the winter days where you curl up under a blanket and you read and you have a cat on your lap is marvelous. But then you can't stay there because especially one of my dogs is very high energy. And so you have to go outside and you have to go for a walk or a bike ride or rollerblade. He will pull me on rollerblades. And especially in the last year, year and a half, uh, those walks have been a big part of keeping my own sanity, of getting outside twice a day. We go in the morning and the evening. It doesn't matter what the weather is. We will go for a walk. And especially in the winter, I really loved watching the skies change because a lot of times I was walking at dusk and so it was just kind of the skies were very gentle and the changes were very subtle. They're not as winter skies are not as bright and bold as summer skies. And so those walks are something that that I needed as much as the dogs is what I came to realize. Teach me to go outside, look up at the sky. There's a lot of us who love pets, but some more than others. And Rhoda, man, judging from her experience, she is like an expert pet person. So once we got that uh, direction to get to write a song about pets, I went to work and uh, wrote the lyrics. I came up with the basic song and sent it off to the guys. And uh, here to talk about the production of the song today is Kevin Garcia, our drummer, our um, engineer who mixed and mastered all the tracks for these songs. And he added a really cool keys line. Um, And so I asked him about that and just kind of what inspired him to uh, put it together on this song. I know that I wanted to have some kind of a moving line that was almost like a hook. And I felt like the song um, had all of these uh, kind of like long tones, a lot of long tones, except for Eric's moving parts. And uh, this is on the chorus, by the way, too, because, I mean, that's when the keys are in, is on these choruses. And so um, for the choruses, I felt like, you know... it needed a little a little something and also i always find that when i'm mixing i like to have um kind of like a partner instruments on either side of the mix so oftentimes i'll have um, a string part that's got a companion string part to it so like you know if there's a banjo on one side of the mix chances are there's going to be like the mandolin on the other side of the mix or a guitar 
and if there's one that's not that doesn't really have a uh, a partner oftentimes i'll actually put that one in the center that if it's the most important you know instrument it can then have its own space its own kind of you know uh center spot but i noticed that Jay made these kind of like long guitar notes um, for the choruses and there wasn't an accompanying part that went along with that. And so in, in wanting to have some version of a moving line that was also kind of a hook and also wanting to pair that, that concept with uh, these long guitar notes, what I ended up doing was I ended up taking the keys part on one side and then doing a cross panning of a reverb effect. Into the other side where the guitar was. And then what, what Jay was playing on his electric guitar, I was cross panning a different reverb. in behind the keys part to kind of make these soaring, you know, parts that, that were kind of working in a way together. Because the keys, if I, if I took away that reverb part, they're very dry. And if I, if I, put reverb directly onto the keys the the sound got washed away and i and you couldn't hear that individual you know line that was happening that moving line it was just kind of a wash of noise so the two dry parts the guitar part and the keys part are actually dry signals but the accompanying guitar's reverb is behind the keys to kind of give it the sense that it's you know very spatial and same thing with the keys reverb behind the guitar because the guitar without it is just these kind of like you know long guitar tones but it's like that that concept where it's like you know if you're listening to reverb in your cans but everybody else is just listening to the dry amp tone on a guitar in the room it's just right. like <laughs> and then way. off and then everybody's just like uh, I, I guess we'll fix that in the mix, but in the headphones, the guitarist is like, yeah, oh, that sustain is rocking, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, what you're describing of, of hearing a dry, you know, a dry keyboard part on the left side of the mix, uh, but maybe the, you know, the reverb on the right side and vice versa with the electric guitar, which is what we're talking about when we say panning for people mm -hmm. who don't know, that's sort of moving it to the left or the right, uh, if you think of it in that sense of, of your ears and of, of your listening, of the stereo um, kind of, uh, what do you call that? Like the Yeah, like the spectrum. The spectrum, yeah, across Absolutely. The, the stereo spectrum. So mm -hmm. would there be certain ways that people would listen to this and not even be able to hear that? Like what happens when it gets crushed into like a mono signal and there is no stereo um, does it just all smush together and what you're describing is completely lost or? <laughs> well, that is kind of the trick of mixing is that you do have to kind of collapse the signal down to mono and make sure that things 
aren't either canceling out or creating mush where it's going to sound like garbage in Denny's, you know, because, um, <laughs> you know, that's the that is the true test of uh, of a popular, you know, song that that stands the test of time is if it makes it to Denny's and it makes it to Kmart, then you know that you've made it. <laughs> um, but if it sounds like garbage in those on those speakers when, you know, it's just being summed down to like a uh, a speaker that was never intended to be, have music played through it and was maybe actually intended to like alert people that something's wrong, maybe. <laughs> so it's almost like a siren is going to, you know what I mean? Like a siren would be better played through this speaker than music. <laughs> so I have um, Dynaudio, uh, my main speakers is what I mix with. And then I have these Auratones, and the nickname for Auratone is Horror Tone. Um, <laughs> and they're they're specific they're specifically designed to emulate the concept of like a crappy car stereo, where it's just almost like all the mid range. There isn't really a lot of bass in there. There isn't really a lot of high information. And the high information, if it does make it through, is like ice pick to the eardrum you know it's just like <laughs> oh my gosh i have to fix that or people are gonna you know be ear bleeding and so um i do listen to mixes through these and i can collapse the mono field so that ever all of the instruments are kind of being put into like a one big uh like pot that i can kind of listen to everything uh, together and make sure that the proper elements are translating like, you know, your your lyrics, um, you know, the main instruments that are supposed to speak through the mix. But um, yeah, as far as like the stereo spectrum goes, if one is listening on like uh, headphones or if they're listening on like a stereo, um, they can kind of like sit in the center and hear the various elements where some elements feel it feels like they're coming almost directly at you and some are a little bit to the side and some are actually like almost like sounds like somebody's you know whispering behind your ear or something like that you know especially if you have like surround sound but as far as the stereo uh field goes you will still kind of get that sense that something is happening beside you because in the way in which um i'm focusing those sounds to the outsides of the speakers I was going to uh, touch on the fact that um, during during Lifeline, I had I did have this image of like because um, it talks a little bit about like uh, having like a snake in my sweatshirt and like, you know, a little bit of like, you know, pets and that type of thing. And I had this uh, concept that like the choruses we're almost like, because, you know, pets don't necessarily, unless you have very specific kinds of pets that can live as long as a human's life, you know, pets will pass away and then we miss them and we miss that connection and all that type of stuff. So the chorus is I almost had this vision of like these pets, like, you know, kind of living in pet heaven, ascending and like, you know, <laughs> still being around, you know, being the lifeline, you know, for which we're still living our lives, but kind of giving us that you know, from beyond pet grave that, uh, <laughs> so that, that keyboard line is like, just them like flying up to the heavens. That's right. Like, hanging that's out hilarious. all of the pets that, you know, hanging out together, you know, just floating around with their little wings, you know, <laughs> I guess if birds are pets and they pass away, do they have wings? I mean, gills, maybe gills. they get gills. <laughs> maybe they should get gills. <laughs> Anyway, that was literally the only other note I had. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Oh, one family.
So I'm here with another one of my bandmates, Jay Lapp, to talk about the theme of pets and how it's played a role in our music. Yes. And yeah, the 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 band dog. I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. our band's dog. It was Jay's dog. Um, but why don't you tell us about that, that sweet dog that was with us for uh, a long time in a lot of recordings, speaking yeah. of studios. Absolutely. Oh, man. Sweet Bean. Bean was my big uh, bull mastiff American bulldog mix. Um, such a wonderful dog we lost him about three years ago and uh but he lived to be 15 which is pretty long for a dog that size um yeah and and he he was there from the very beginning of the band i remember him being uh when trent came up to my house in indiana to record his very first uh solo project just under trent waggler uh, that was an album called Journal of a Barefoot Soldier. Uh, good luck finding it out there, but um, <laughs> if you dig around deep enough, you might be able to 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 find it. Anyway, um, but Trent came up. Um, Bean, my dog, was, he he was the band dog. He was, um, but he was he's like kind of the studio dog. He hung out, and um, he was he was in probably all of the studio spaces up till about um you know 2015 or so and you know he would just hang out and kind of be our companion our big furry companion there in the studio and um if you listen closely on a couple of tunes every (laughs) once in a while you'd hear something uh, (laughs) you know but we'd keep that in there we got him to howl on yeah. a track uh, way back on that Adriana Valentine album that you and I did. He yeah, was, totally. He yeah. definitely had a role in the song. Yeah, he got to do some vocals. It was <laughs> great. He added to the to the to the layer of all the vocals there. And not only that, but um, he was, you know, he traveled with me a lot too. Um, there was a, you know, a period of time where I I traveled to Virginia quite often. I would often stay in Virginia for, you know, a few weeks at a time. And, um, you know, I'd stay at your house, Trent. And, yeah. you know, I was just sort of Uncle Jay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Bean was there too. And he was just sort of a, a fixture at the house with me. And, <laughs> um that was such a special thing. He was my companion, um, for mm-hmm. quite some time. And, um, it was very, very special to me. And, um, you know, obviously very sad when we, when we, uh, when we lost him, but yeah. Yeah. He, beg- yeah. I mean, he, he was such a, uh, I mean, I think in the studio and we've, we've even, even aside from being, I, I know the, the last two recordings we've done up with Sam Kassirer in Maine, um, he has his dog uh, usually in the studio as well, and there's something about having a pet, uh, and maybe particularly a dog in the studio, because the studio can be this sort of like black hole of time where you get so hyper focused on a particular track, and sometimes you forget to like take breaks or eat lunch or you know what, just like do yeah. the basics of your day. And there's something nice about having an animal like a dog who's not going to let you 
forget that you need to go outside and you yeah. need to, you need to eat they need to eat like there's certain routines and rituals that pets really help you especially when you get out of your mind a little bit that's right <laughs> for for any reason and i mm-hmm. remember being being that way too where it was like we might have been mixing or recording in some of the coldest weather, but I remember, you know, like, let's go outside, take Bean outside, and we're standing out there in the snow and talking about the talking about the recording or whatever, but it's nice to just get a little perspective. And, yeah, there's, there's a real, I mean, some of it is subtle and some of it's very much overt how it changes the project and, yeah. and allows you to take some space when you need it. That's right. And sometimes, you know, you just need a dog in the studio just for that good vibe and... You know, I remember recording in West Virginia, um, Journal of a Barefoot Soldier album, and, uh, uh, oh no, it wasn't that one. It was uh, Blue, 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 Heaven. Blue Heaven. Blue Heaven, that's right. Yeah. And um, yeah, we were all, I think we were all just kind of camped out on the floor there. And, you know, Bean just didn't know his size, and he really liked to <laughs> snuggle. And so he just, he would just go climb. He would, just try to sleep right on top of Trent, right on top of you. Oh, and, man. And he was not he was not one to take no for an answer. I mean, no, you would just push him off, yeah. and he would just slowly creep back onto you. And, <laughs> yeah, he was very warm, very yeah, warm, but that's very right. heavy. <laughs> that's right. Um, just a few days ago, we, we dog sat a um, very, very sweet um, dog, um, this uh, – bulldog mix and mm. um it remi- reminded me a lot of bean and it was just a really sweet reminder of that companionship that you can only get from one of your furry buddies every time i come home you are waiting. so as always once we complete the song we hand it back and uh, i asked rhoda to tell us what was it like to get the song back. I wasn't sure if I had a good idea and I had no idea how the song would turn out because what if after all of it, I didn't like the song. So it was definitely uh, a step out of my comfort zone. The final song was really unexpected. Um, I sent the initial email and then kind of forgot about it I mean, went back and forth with some of the logistics and then forgot about it for a few months. I was just expecting that once you started working on this specific song, there would probably be some more back and forth. And there wasn't. So all of a sudden, there was just a completed song in my email. So it was a big surprise. Um, the, The final song felt very personal to me. I actually didn't share it with anybody immediately because it did feel very personal. I didn't realize that the title Lifeline came from my original email until I reread that one. I thought it was just something that came from the band, but then realized that I had said that my dogs and the dog walks were a lifeline during the pandemic. There's a piece of it that got darker than I expected, but most of it felt very close to what I had originally requested and the stories that I had told and the relationship I was talking about between me and me and animals. I'm curious what the line was. I'm, I was just trying to look up the lyrics myself. Um, but. Sometimes I get down like there's nothing worth saving, uh, but you're my yeah. lifeline. But in general, it felt very, I mean, I could spot this, the stories that I had told 
mm-hmm. and a lot of the feeling that I was imagining. I think in a lot of ways it's a respite from people for me in that people are complicated, but animals aren't. It's easy to know what an animal wants. It's easy to make friends with an animal. I don't always know what the people want, or sometimes I don't want to be around the people anymore. I always want to be around the animals. Sometimes it's that they have unconditional needs. So it doesn't matter what you're feeling. They still want to go outside. They still want to go for a walk and chase a squirrel. And so whether you want to call it love or not, it doesn't really matter. It's still a simple relationship that is always there. I love how candid Rhoda is. Uh, <laughs> she she was very clear that she wasn't sure uh, whether or not she would like the song to begin with. And that was one of the risks in the whole commissioning process. And that is so true. I mean, I have to admit that's one of my big fears as the songwriter is that I'm not going to make somebody happy. You know, Rhoda also brought up this very legitimate concern that the song might come across a little darker than she meant it to. And I, I totally understand that. Um, this is always, I think, one of the concerns, obviously, I have is writing a song from someone else's story or perspective. Um, and there have been a few times, I would say, throughout this process of everyone a song where people give feedback. And, and often, I would say, the, the biggest sort of question that they have is when a lyric might come across as a little bit more negative or down or or depressive or or dark and i don't know you guys i don't know if that's me adding that in (laughs) from uh the dark parts of myself as the writer or if it's that i'm trying to reach for something that's a little more dramatic in a songwriting sense to bring a little more gravitas to the art um even if it's not actually in the story i don't know maybe that's that's a something for you the listener to to uh to decide but i can imagine that especially if you're commissioning one song <laughs> and that's the only song that's written uh by the steel wheels for you and it's got some line uh like sometimes i get down like there's nothing worth saving maybe Maybe that does sound a little dark. So I hear that, Rhoda. Um, At the same time, I know as a songwriter, I've had these conversations uh, where I've written a breakup song and my partner of nearly 20 years comes to me and she says, hey, so that song, about that song, what's that about, you know? And so uh, as a writer, I like to express the full range of emotion, right, in the writing and hopefully as a as a culture as as people who receive the art uh, we can take it in as as that very thing we're all experiencing all of it the light and the darkness um so i truly just at the end of the day hope rhoda finds that joy and happiness that she hoped for when she took the chance to commission the song here's the complete song lifeline
a deep thank you to Rhoda Shirk for inspiring this song, for taking a chance on the steel wheels and commissioning a song, even when she wasn't sure that it was going to turn out. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone, anyone who goes outside of their comfort zone and tries something new. Everyone a Song Volume 2 is available currently everywhere you find music. It just reached inside the Americana Music Association Radio Top 50, and you can stream it, you can buy it, you can send it as a present to your long-lost relative. Find it all at thesteelwheels.com or anywhere that you shop for music. We Made You a Song will be back next week with another episode, another song. And in the meantime... I encourage you to get out there. Get out there in the afternoon before it gets dark. It's starting so early this time of year. But do what you can to stay creative, especially as we get into these winter months, whether it's baking cookies or making a soup or working on your next masterpiece of whatever form, whatever medium. Um, We can't wait to see what you've made. And as always... We made you a song. All right, let's see if Ella will say goodbye. Ella, can you say goodbye? Can you say goodbye? There you go. That was good.